Hey Hawks fans, Luke Bruce here. CJ here. Jarman here. If you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders. It's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans. Make sure you subscribe. Get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Here from Jarman MP for the Insiders. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Thursday Night Hawks Insiders Safe Space. Tuesday Night Hawks Insiders Safe Space. My name's Ashley Brown. We're here after Hawthorne uh, beat Port Adelaide by 64 points. They are the top of the ladder, Hawks, and uh, that is very exciting uh, for everybody concerned, which means we're all in a good mood. We're lots to talk about. Hopefully, the federal budget has looked after you. If anyone thinks there's a Hawthorne angle to the federal budget, please uh, raise your hand and come and talk to us. We always want to hear from you and talk anything brown and gold. But before then, um, back safely from the wilds of Adelaide Oval is my co-host and the person who makes all this happen, Andrew Weiss. Hello. Thank you, Ash. Hello. And hello again to all of you out there. Uh, Yes, certainly um, the day of the day after the people of Adelaide are a beautiful people. Ethan actually commented on just how nice everyone was as we walked around the city in our Hawks gear, but uh, at the ground, yeah, wilds, probably one way to describe them. They're a, they're a different bunch, but home safely had a brilliant weekend. And obviously we'll talk about it uh, throughout the hour. Uh, Darren Levine. Hello. Hi, Ash. Hi, everyone. I thought this was a safe space from the federal budget as well. Pretty um, upset that you brought that up, Ash, to be honest. All right. Well, uh, I'm sure no one will take up my offer to uh, talk about the budget of the Hawks. We'll see how we go. Brad Klebanski, hello. Evening, all. We're a happy team at Hawthorne. You're finding it very hard to be angry at the moment, Brad, but we'll try and do something about that in the next hour or so. <laughs> Simon Morowitz, good evening. Oh, Brad is so excited for Hawthorne to get thumped by Carlton this week. <laughs> we're we're going to go through his WhatsApp message later on, his WhatsApp message to the group, which is a sign that the Brad old, old Brad is still uh, somewhere in the house. And Daddy Prince, hello. Evening, Ash. Evening, everyone. Great to be here. Good to have you here. Um, as always, this is a... Uh, Multifaceted conversation. We've already got one request to speak, which is fantastic. So we will get to anyone who wants to speak over the course of the evening. Just raise your hand and uh, and uh, we will get to you at some stage. Uh, I noticed that uh, the president of the Box Hill Hawks and new life member, Ed Sill, is in the house. He's going to join us for a little bit of a chat and give us an update a bit later on, hopefully, when we get round to talking about Box Hill. Um, I feel very privileged to be here tonight. I thought uh, I was going to be unemployed with Hawks Insiders after young Ethan uh, Weiss Weiss did a fantastic job on the Player Rankings podcast, put me to shame with his knowledge of the game and of Hawthorne, so I'm very privileged that I'm allowed back on to do this tonight. And then, of course, Primsy knocked the observations out of the park in the Monday review. So thank you to both of those uh, gentlemen for their contributions. I had a bit of a busy old weekend and didn't get, wasn't able to uh, put the time and effort into the Hawks as I would like. I'm just caught up in the second quarter of the game now, which I missed, but uh, it was a very good result. We're going to go through very quickly. Hawthorne beat Port Adelaide by 
64 points uh, in one of the best wins, I think one of their best wins for for several years. Jeff Kennett went on Twitter and called it his, one of his proudest moments as Hawthorne president, which is a bit strange given he was president when they beat Geelong in 2008. We're going to start, uh, as we do now, with our match reviews, starting with the good. Uh, Brad, just give us a quick praise here. What was good about Hawthorne's performance on uh, on Saturday night? The youth. McDonald, a goal was fantastic. Josh Ward, brilliant in the midfield. Showed up a few of the senior players. His first goal, John Newcomb, a wonderful goal on the boundary line. So I thought youth again was a huge positive. Good, nice and concise, excellent. Uh, Daz, there's always a, a there's always something uh, we can do better, as they say. Like saying footy, it's never as good as it looks, and never as bad as it seems. Uh, what was the sobering part of the night? Yeah, thanks for giving me that hospital hand pass just before Ash to do a, the bad of a 64 point win on the road against Port Adelaide with a young side. It was in the rundown. <laughs> That's usually my yeah. That should be usually me. Um, but I, I think Chad going off at halftime was a bit disappointing and it's good to hear that he's probably going to be back in um, the side for the match against Carlton. I thought he was, I thought he was great. Um, a lot, uh, improved a lot on the first round and kicked a couple of good goals. Um, the, the biggest issue for me, I think is a struggle to win the footy. And I think a better side with all due respect to Port Adelaide is going to really make us pay for getting absolutely smashed in the, the clearances. Um, and, and that, continuous struggle to get our hands on the footy so hopefully that's something we'll address because um, as Brad will probably touch on later Carlton's uh, midfield will absolutely smash us. Simon you, uh, you're, you're across figures more than most people here can you recall too many teams where a team has been beaten by 24 in clearances and has won as convincingly as that? No um, and I think Darren's touched on something there I think that a full strength Port Adelaide this wouldn't have happened. Um, so we're lucky that we got him on a week where, you know, there's no Charlie Dixon, no Robbie Gray in the forward line. And in the back line, were they missing Clory and Aaliyah and Mackenzie was playing on one foot. So um, there is an element of that because if you give them a full strength team and plus 24 in the clearances, and I don't think we're going to win by 11 goals. No, I think that is probably a reasonable assessment. I think there are like four key categories all up that Hawthorne were deficient in and uh, and managed to uh, manage to get the win away. It was a funny sort of game. I mean, you know, I picked Port Adelaide uh, before the game, but it was uh, less and less confident that that was the right pick. The longer or the closer the game drew, I started to look, sort of broke down. The teams had a bit of a close look just before, not long before the game, and really felt that Port were deficient. I knew they had their their hard bodied midfield still going to be in there, but I thought they really are thin at both ends of the ground. You know, the Hawthorne back line is, uh, is come along very, very nicely, and the forward line looked dangerous. So the feeling I had was that uh, it was probably going to be a lot closer than than I thought. And I thought Hawthorne actually, you know, even pre-game thought, you know, entertained fleeting thoughts that they might win the game. Um, and it's a, it's a turn to be... Uh, Brad, when were you starting to feel confident? Uh, probably halfway through the first uh, quarter. Port Adelaide just looked really, really flat. 
And I just think we looked on. For once, we actually came out in the opening quarter and just looked like we were there uh, to win. We just came out all guns blazing. The first quarter was brilliant. Our pressure was great. The back line stood up. Uh, Mitchell Lewis, you know, uh, clung to few. We just looked on from uh, the opening bounce, which was great. And we need to bring that again this week against Carlton. Danny, when did you start to feel confident? Uh, just after half time, I think um, Port Port really tried on Saturday night. I think they were they weren't clean. They were they were a bit fumbly, and their disposal let them down. But they definitely didn't uh, raise the white flag early. I think um, the Hawks were just uh, better when it mattered. And I think just after half time, I think they made a bit of a charge, and the Hawks kicked away again. And and I was like that that was it. That was the their sort of final hurrah from Port, and they gave up after that. Yeah, they, uh, they they had a bit to play for. It's the Russell Ebert tribute game, their first home game of the year, and really thought uh, they would bring a slightly uh, better effort than that. Uh, we see you were there. Talk us through the evening. Um, talk us through the fan experience. Too much of the time you got there, I think just, there was uh, maybe one or two members of the travelling party who didn't have a photo taken before the game <laughs> with you guys. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about where you sat, what the mood was like, what the ferals were like as, as the game started to go pear-shaped. Uh, put us in your shoes uh, for a couple of minutes. For sure. Well, I think any time you go to a game with zero expectation of coming out with a win and then you get a performance like that, you're already elevated and excited and feel all the raw emotion of, um, of what unfolded when you haven't had that expectation. But so, you know, walking to the ground and even in the afternoon, walking around with our Hawks gear on, um, speaking to a number of Port supporters, uh, I wouldn't say they were complacent, but they were certainly expecting a pretty solid result. Um, We picked, we try and go to an interstate game every year, Ethan and I, and um, Adelaide Oval and Subiaco has been on our list. So um, initially looking at the fixture, had in mind that, yep, we'll probably get absolutely done, but everything you've heard about the atmosphere, the venue, um, the whole experience would mean that it would still be a worthwhile thing to do regardless of the results. Obviously, we know what happened on the park. The experience side of things totally lived up to... Um, all of the expectations and everything we've heard about it, walking into the ground, music pumping. It's like there's a whole, um, a, a whole fair atmosphere. Like the the vibe was really good, really exciting. Um, we got in about an hour and a half um, before the first bounce, so Hawthorne were doing their pre warm up warm ups, which meant. Uh, we got to be right at the rooms uh, at the, at the race with hardly anyone else around. So Ethan was taking selfies with all of the players who were incredible. With Sammy, um, yeah. Then up to our seat, we we were sitting um, sitting at the front of the top level. Um, incredible seats. You felt part of the action the whole time, even from up there. The never tear us apart was brilliant the Russell Ebert um the the tribute before the game was fantastic that whole side of things was wonderful um 
Yeah, it's had uh, had one Hawthorne supporter in front of us. Other than that, surrounded by Port Ferrells. Um, I've been to plenty of Sydney games and obviously mass generalisation, but the notion that uh, they're fairly boutique and have a bit to learn in terms of the rules of the game. Certainly felt that to be the case. Um, lovely old lady just screaming on one side, another guy who was there by himself on the other side, no idea about the rules. Happy to get into Chad, happy to get into Sis. Um, free kick Hawthorne calling out the whole time. Uh, Luke Hodge got a mention. Uh, all of the freeze during our golden years got a mention. So um, it was pretty satisfying. And I think, uh, yeah, I had to temper it a little bit. I think Ethan might have been a bit unsure. I, you know, certainly third quarter when Mitch was banging them through Mitch Lewis. Uh, I was I was up. I was up and about and... I think the kids can play, got a fair scream out. Um, so it was just wonderful. It was really um, a wonderful atmosphere, obviously a wonderful game. And if anyone's considering going uh, going and doing their interstate trips, 100% Adelaide Oval's got to be on the agenda. It'll be interesting to see next time we go to an Adelaide game how it compares in terms of... Um, the Port fandom side of things versus the Adelaide side of things. But, yeah, unbelievable experience. Uh, next morning, uh, we're at a cafe having breakfast and Blake Hardwick sitting there with his whole family. Um, we decided not to interrupt and left the cafe. Uh, and Blake's dad um, called us back to come in and have a massive chat with the family and with Blake, who was unbelievable with photos and that sort of stuff. So um, he actually said he couldn't, they didn't expect that to be the way it pans out, but they're all very excited. That they're all really enjoying everything that's happening at the club. So, yeah, obviously I've, I've, probably, <laughs> I've probably spoken for as long as I've been given time for but yeah it was an incredible experience and definitely um i think anyone wanting to travel should put adelaide oval onto their agenda well the south australian tourism board thanks you for your services very good review and uh, it is, i've never been there for a game i've been there a couple of times during the week for bits and pieces it is a terrific uh, it is a terrific stadium they've done a wonderful job with it and, uh, yeah, it's a great place to go and watch cricket and footy. So thank you for that. We had a couple of um, things out of the game. We, we ran a poll on uh, Hawks Insiders on our Twitter feed, Choose Your Own Adventure Goal Edition. If you read our Monster Recap, you'll have read the question, which of these goals from Saturday night most tickled your fancy? We had uh, the Jai Newcomb set shot snap, 13%. Jack Gunson left foot snap. That would be the one towards the end of the – just before half time, 59%. Nash at pace, 28%. Pretty good. I mean, I would have thought Josh Ward's goal might have been, uh, you know, his first goal for the Hawks might have been uh, one of the options as well. Uh, it was a, a pretty good uh, first goal in league footy after he missed the one the quarter before. And I think it was Nash. Was it Nash who kicked the ball in the last quarter to um, Lewis on the lead where yep, Lewis sort of sure. stood his knees? That was an incredible kick from Nash. Beautiful kick. That Perfectly sh- weighted. 
perfectly weighted. That's the kick of someone who's been playing footy their entire life, not just the last few years. So, yeah, we were spoiled for choice with, I think, Hawthorne putting 19 goals, whatever it was, past Port Adelaide. So that was one of the questions. Another question we had, I don't, sorry for the users, uh, if the person, the question is online, don't have your name, but uh, question about whether we, we talk about the comparisons, but is uh, Scrimshaw the next virtual, but is it sort of something more than that? Is it is is Scrimshaw going to actually at some stage be the benchmark for left-footed Hawthorne defenders wearing 14? Anyone got some views on that? I think it's not a terrible shout because he does have some strings to his bow that Virtual didn't have in particular defensively and, and with intercept marking that um, I think it, probably Virtual was a better rebounder um, and a more reliable kick, but Scrim can grow into those, and then with the extra stuff he has, there's no reason he can't overtake him. Yeah, I agree. The intercept marking is clearly what would significantly differentiate them as players. Um, Virtual did it for a decade, so Scrim has got a long way to go before we're talking about him actually in the same breath as Virtual, but if he keeps playing the way he is... There's no reason why we wouldn't be considering him to finish his career um, with more strings to his bow and as a better player. Uh, Mr. Jazz, you've got a question for us. Good evening. Hello. Mr. Jazz, speak. No? All right, go on. We've probably kept waiting a bit longer, so sorry about that. Um, okay, three, two, one. I'm not going to give mine because I said my viewing experience was way too disjointed. Uh, but those rest of you who watched it live, uh, around the table, three, two, one. We should actually keep a running tally of our progressives. And at the end of the year, I don't know, send a, I don't know, send a gift voucher or something to the club to give to the winner. Um, where's your three, two, one? Uh, I'm going to give three votes to Mitch Lewis. Uh, I know a lot of it happened in the third quarter, but he worked so hard all game and was was unbelievable as our spearhead. Uh, two to Jack Scrimshaw. I thought he was incredible all night and marshaled the defensive unit. And one vote to Jack Gunston, who... Uh, again, we said it last week, uh, all of a sudden that notion that, you know, we've got a forward that missed the whole year who was the Peter Crimmins medalist the year before. He started off the season brilliantly. So they're my 3-2-1. Yes. Had the exact same votes. So Lewis got three for me, just was unbelievable all night and Put two good games of footy together, which he's he hasn't really done over over the journey. So, just so many encouraging signs there, and clearly his best game for the club just did not look like missing at all. Um, Scrim was just so consistent there down back, and you just felt safe every time the ball was in that zone. You felt like he was gonna he was gonna do something, and then he was gonna set us up in attack, and that's kind of all you want from a from a halfback flanker, um, and. And Gunners, I thought, one vote just just has totally transformed our f- forward line and made it look functional. And he's cleared space for Lewis in both games now and, and the two are working so well together. So, yeah, exact same three to one as you, EC. Brad? Yeah, similar. I had uh, Lewis three, uh, exactly the same as uh, the boys. Five goals straight, 
two good games in a row. I think Brad's in trouble connecting. Oh, can you can not hear, hear me? Oh, We've, can got hear you We've got yeah, him. I can hear you. Jeez. No worries. Yeah, so uh, Lewis three kicked five straight, two huge games in a row. I had Scrimshaw as two, and then I had Josh Ward with one. It was a toss-up between Ward and Gunston, but I thought Ward was actually our best uh, midfielder for the night. A little quiet in the last quarter, but I just thought he worked tirelessly all game put his body on the line. His skills were great. Kicked a goal, so I gave Ward one. Simon? Um, I had three Lewis and one Gunston, just like the first two, but in the middle, I gave James Sicily two votes. Very good. Having a wonderful start to his All-Australian season. And Danny? Yeah, uh, a bit like Mora, I had uh, Lewis at three, I had Gunston at two, and I had Sicily at one. Okay, so I think that combined will be three, two, three, uh, Lewis, two, uh, Gunson, we'll check the ones. We might start putting a progressive total up on Hawks Insiders at some stage. Uh, don't forget, got a question, jump on. We'll get uh, to you very soon. Uh, not all, I mean, the, the, uh, the postscript for the Hawks on the weekend was Box Hill. For more reports, I didn't see a, a minute of it, but more reports, a cracking game of footy out at Vic Park on Sunday that, uh, Box Hill lost in the last couple of minutes um, with a, a late goal to Collingwood. Uh, Danny Prince is our Box Hill correspondent and uh, we're inviting Ed Sill, the new life member of Box Hill Hawks and, of course, the club president too and a v- very good friend of us here at Hawks Insiders. Evening to you, Ed. Hi, Ash. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I'm going to let you and Danny have a conversation to talk through the next few minutes, just talk through the events at Big Park, what was a cracking game on Sunday, just ha- how, the, how the game went, um, and obviously with an emphasis on it, preference, uh, look at how the Haw- Haw- Hawthorne listed players went. Yeah, thanks, Ash, and uh, thanks for jumping on, Ed. Um, just like to get your thoughts on um, the start of the season for Box Hill, how how everything sort of ramped up heading into round one with uh, Clint Proctor's first game, in, first official game in charge. And, uh, and you know, obviously the result didn't go the way we'd like, but um, I'm sure there was enough out of there that you would take away as positives uh, as Box Hill president. So just your general take to start with, please. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, uh, thanks for your interest in, the, in Box Hill. Uh, look, we've had a, a fantastic pre-season. The handover from, from Sam to Clint had been really smooth. Um, we'd had a, a great uh, retention of our senior players. Typically, we turn over you know, 50 to 55% of our list from one year to the next, but this year it was, um, it was much smaller by design, which was great. So we went, went in uh, on uh, Sunday pretty hopeful of, uh, of, the ga- um, of a result, but it was a you know, cracking game of footy. We probably didn't put our best foot forward, but I think that'd also be a little bit unfair to Collingwood, who Halfway through the second quarter, and I'm not I'm not an early I don't normally go the early crow, but I'm looking at the game thinking, oh, we're 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 a bit of a class above here. But from that point onwards, they just outworked us. So um, look disappointing, but I think the reflections are there's a long way to go. Yeah, definitely. They just didn't uh, they didn't stop, did they? The the pies very fell side. They just kept chipping away and um, wore us down in the end. Um, okay, so I was pretty impressed with uh, a few of the young Hawks. I mean, um, I, I also wrote a piece, Ed, uh, talking about the extra week at Box Hill that Will Day got and how you single-handedly campaigned for that uh, throughout the week. Yeah, no, I'd, <laughs> um, I'd heard it a little, 
uh, little birdie earlier in the week saying that I'm just a bit worried about having perhaps CJ and Will both under man, uh, under um, under done a little bit in the back line. So they thought they'd give Will one more game. Now he hasn't actually played a game for Box Hill um, with uh, with the various COVID uh, incursions. So I was just yeah, I, there was a little bit of a commercial outcome that it was attached to thinking how much we could sell his jumper for. Absolutely. And um, first dibs uh, when you put it online, if that's okay. Well, yeah. the only problem was, um, Danny, that for some reason he didn't wear number 12, he wore number 13. So uh, it was a bit, a bit odd, but anyway. Did, did notice that. Yeah. just makes it even more more unique Indeed. for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, your thoughts on his, his debut and hopefully last game for a long time for Box Hill? I think it will be his last game for a while. It's uh, Look, he, um, it just, it, he the time he's got and his decision making uh, was fantastic. I know there was a there was a sort of an urgency to try to get him up in, into the midfield a little bit more, but uh, then there was a request that came back to, to push him back for the for the last quarter. So no, he, look, he he looked the most composed player on the ground, and uh, I think he'll slot back pretty quickly this week. And I've got to ask, um, talking about a player that didn't play many games for Box Hill, Buddy Franklin, I um. I have to give full credit to the social media team at Box Hill because they answered my question very quickly about how many games he played at Box Hill, which was 10. Yeah. Do you remember any, any of those games I, at all? I, was, uh, I, I, I do. I vividly remember standing out at Coburg watching him in an Anzac game. Clash. So that must have been the start of his second year um, where he's having a bit of form, a few form challenges. And, and so Coburg at that stage were aligned with Richmond. And I still vividly remember a number of Richmond supporters behind me uh, laughing about the fact that, um, you know, we could have taken Tambling, instead we took this bloke. And it's uh, 18 years later that uh, that conversation still uh, still plays in my mind, thinking they, they might have got that one wrong. And they still dine out on Dean Polo having a better in that day. I remember Richmond supporters telling me, Dean Polo's a better player than, uh, than Lance Franklin. <laughs> Amazing how long these memories last. I think Dean Polo did get three, vote, three Brownlow votes in his first game of footy. Um, yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, it, was a, it was a long day out at uh, Coburg that day. It definitely. I actually remember that game too. Um, and he was fantastic that day, Polo. But it, uh, one game does not a, a career make. Isn't that right? Indeed. Um, so a couple of the other young Hawks that I touched on in, in my sort of review, um, focusing on the Hawthorne listed players, Ed, yeah. um, Jackson Callow, I thought was one, that was one of his better games for, for you guys. I think if uh, the answer to that is clearly his best game. Um, mm. Obviously there's sort of a competition between him and Jekka and Kaczynski as to see whether there's another option. I thought he, he was clearly the best of those three, really strong and powerful uh, and aggressive Really good running um, patterns. He's got a great tank on him. I, I thought he was really solid in. It was a tough game because we didn't have a nominated ruckman, so he had to, and Cozzy and uh, well, James Blank, one of the Box Hill boys, had to share the ruck duties. So and I think uh, he, he was pretty impressive. And that's a beautiful segue because my next question was going to be um, how you guys navigate um, seeing the injury report come out for Hawthorne and Max Lynch out for another week. Is it just going to be a job share type arrangement until um, that third Hawthorne Ruckman's back on deck? I think the, the, you know, when I look at the maths on it, um, if, if Hawthorne play two Ruckman each uh, week, we're, you know, we're going to have lots of games where we don't, have a nominated or a senior ruckman. We do have a young ruckman I think from the Eastern Rangers who they're just going to take their time uh, letting them get used to uh, playing senior football. 
I think he's playing out in the first, uh, Eastern Footy League. So I'll give him a bit of time to see if he comes through. After that, it's going to be just working around those three goals. I think we're a bit fortunate that Collingwood were in a similar state. I don't think they had a, uh, a designated ruckman. So we, it, it, we probably got by. Um, it does remind me of uh, Braden Proust playing um, uh, Big Reeves out at... Uh, and at Casey about three years ago, I'd hate to, for some of our young ruckmen to take on those, those types of guys. So it's it's going to be a challenge with Hawthorne only having three on the list. We very rarely have a ruckman on our list, except it, very rarely would they get a game. This year, um, the dynamics might have changed a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one to sort of keep an eye on in the business end of the season as well for you guys. But um, I'll, I'll I'll wrap it up with one last question for me. I was just I was super impressed, and I know Daz was too, with uh, the debut game from uh, Jai Sarong on the weekend. Uh, what were your thoughts on the way he went about it? I'm a little bit biased here, Danny, because he, he's currently living uh, living with me and my family, so we're. Uh... He's a lovely. In fact, we've got the two guys uh, at the moment. Although Jai won't get him on, get him on the phone. I'll see what he thinks. They they live a very hermit lifestyle. They tend to be in bed by about seven thirty. Yeah, he he looked. I know Hawthorne were talking about him being a bit of a project play because they're saying he's really sprung up in the last twelve to eighteen months, and his football game hasn't sort of caught up with his height. Um, but he looked really athletic and had a bit of bounce. Um, they're, they're keen to play him sort of that high half board. He, he should have kicked four. He handled today in the last quarter when he probably should have had a shot. I, that's, it was a really good debut. Because it wasn't a, a game, it was a good game of footy and there was no easy goals. You had to earn your goals. So, um, no, very, very impressive. And a, and a really good, humble, hardworking young fellow. So I think Hawthorne's got a, got a, a really good young kid there. Fantastic. You, um, I'll, I'll throw it over to Wesley. Ed, you mentioned the um, off the top the handover um, between Clint and Sammy. Uh, how important we've seen pictures of uh, some of the guys at the game. How important the connection, given Sammy's fresh approach after last year, the attacking game style, and the fact that um, you know there is that strong connection with players. Um, coming through Box Hill. How strong is the connection between the two and between everything that's happening with both clubs at the moment? Can you give us some insight on that? I think we're really fortunate uh, that Sam's a great believer in Box Hill, given his history with with Box Hill, Um, but also what what we saw with uh, Lockie Bramble and and John Newcomb at the start of last year. So Sam's heavily invested into making sure the two teams are integrated and and go back to that, uh, you know, the the two teams, one club philosophy. Um, so no, that the, uh, the the Box Hill boys train um, at Waverley through the full pre-season. I think about ten or twelve of them actually trained with the Hawthorne group as well through most of the pre-season, which was fantastic. And I think we had three guys who were sort of had an upgraded train-on program. Um, so really heavily uh, heavily engaged. And Clint's been big enough to say this: that the system is important that we roll out the same same model, so nobody's at a loss when they come back to Box Hill. So again, um, um, fast, attacking, aggressive, um, the same model that Sam's run through. So been a really smooth transition. I think it, 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 we haven't had to rejig anything at all in terms of that the, the the handover. So and, and to your point, really great to see. Uh, and, and again, Sam was adamant that it's important that you go back, go back perhaps six or seven years ago, a game at Box Hill, you'd see 
the vast majority of the Hawthorne boys there. That's probably tailed off a little bit in recent years. So it was great to see a big pickup, given particularly they, they were, we've only got home back into the airport, sort of whatever time it was, 11-ish, I guess, um, from Adelaide. So to, to head off straight to Victoria Park was fantastic. Ash, I think you had a question that you wanted to ask Ed. Yes, sorry, I'll, I'll speak. I'll speak it back on. Ed, that makes it disappointing that uh, there's a clash between the AFL and the VFL on Sunday, and that might be happening once or twice one of the course of the season. How difficult is that? Now, disappointing is it that uh, there's a clash? So this one was um, a COVID protocol. So uh, it's basically that uh, Hawthorne players have to be if they're playing on the Sunday. Uh, as, as they are in this case, they get tested on the Saturday and, and not released until those tests come back negative. So it meant that we had no other opportunity then to play on the same day. Thankfully, I think it's the only one in this block that have been released. So, and we're hope, we're, the, the expectation is that that testing regime will will fall away after the first tranche of games. So, um, look, we, we, it's it's always a challenge. Um, Rob McCarthy Hawthorne's footy manager is also on the board at Box Hill and we work closely with Rob and he's very keen to you know to make sure we maximise our opportunities to have standalone games every now and again certain circumstances are drawn out so um, yes and Saturday's Saturday's it it would have been a you know if, if we'd been sorry Sunday's it if, it would have been a great day because we've also got the Hawthorne VFLW uh, guys playing so a, a great double header if we could have spread that over the weekend so unfortunately not so good this game, but I think we've got a couple of games, one against Casey and then Richmond uh, over the next few weeks that uh, we'll, we, we're playing on the Sunday, I think, post-Saturday Hawthorne game. So something that uh, we really want to ramp up and make sure we get as many people as possible to uh, the City Oval. And the curtain raiser before the Secure game at the MCG, yes. which must yeah. be very exciting, particularly for the, the non-Hawthorne listed guys to get a chance to play MCG will be wonderful. I um, I reflect every now and again, Ash, I, I'm, a, I'm a very poor sports person, but I ran a um, ran a half marathon and ended up in the MCG in 2008. Now, it wasn't that long after Hawthorne had won the grand final, so there's a, a, a high uh, emotion anyway, but it was just fantastic running the last four or 500 metres around the ground and we played one other game, I think, uh, a couple of years ago um, at the MCG, and, and the young players just love it, as, as you would expect. Even young uh, Jai Sarong talking talking with great excitement about playing at uh, playing at the MCG in a few weeks' time. So no, it's just great, great for the the, uh, the VFL boys. Great, you know, we, we we're thrilled when we get to be on Channel Seven. We're well, we've got a proud history of having players recruited. Uh, out of our club into the AFL system and, and the more exposure we can get, whether it be playing at the MCG or, or playing on telecast games, the better. So um, no, we, we lap it up. I think the last MCG game was a game Joe Ruffhead gave advice to an opponent. I think that might have, been a, yeah. might have been an MCG game. Ed, it was a draw, I think, from memory. Um, yeah, Against the dogs, maybe? Yeah. yeah, it was the dogs, yeah. yeah. Ed, it's been wonderful having you on. As always, you've been a great friend of Hawks Insiders and we will do this again on a semi-regular basis through the course of the season to, to stay in touch with Box Hill and see how they're going. So thanks for your time this evening and uh, just keep looking after Jai Sarong. Feed him up um, and, and get him uh, nice and, and ready for his hopefully what will be an AFL debut uh, sooner rather than later. Fantastic. Will do. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Ed. Um, we've got a, cu- a couple of questions we're going to try and get to. Uh, we'll try Mr. Jazz again. Uh, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Hello. 
Can you hear yes, me? Yes, we can. Good evening. Okay. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Yes, we can hear you. Thanks for your patience. Good. I just wanted to say I listened to the post-match review featuring Ethan on Sunday night, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. So I reckon you should make it a regular thing because his assessments were spot on, and he was great to listen to. So well done to him and well done to his dad. Well, I'll let his dad respond. Uh, thank you so so much. Uh, it was interesting. Like it was pretty. It was a pretty late night for him. So I mean, I could tell that as we went on, and it went on a little bit longer than we would have hoped. I think it was an hour quarter in the end. He um he was certainly getting a little bit more tired, and you could probably hear that. But thank you. I will pass it on. I've passed on to him. All of the messages that have come through um, and, yeah, I, I just added to it being one of the great weekends of his life. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. No worries. All right. Thank thanks. you. Thanks for that. It was not your, uh, it's not your father, was it, uh, Reece? <laughs> or your, your, your uh, father paid a few people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, Dave from Wallen. Hello. How are we going again? And I'd like to echo those last sentiments. Ethan was terrific. He bit hard on DGB, but he was terrific. Um, in, um, um, the fullback, what's his name? He didn't play on the weekend. I can't think of him. Hardigan. Hardigan. Is Hardigan only going to play if we play in Monsters? Like, um, like um, God, I'm struggling tonight. Harry McKay? McKay. No, 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 I think McKay's more a runner, but Hawkins or someone of the bigger blades. Like if Dixon had played, but Harding had played on Saturday night. It's a good question. I don't think he would have. I think Sammy's backing the younger players. I think he's willing to throw uh, DGB in. He's playing more of a system uh, defence. Yep. Uh, with Sicily, you know, plays at that sort of as that floater. Squim's been playing quite tall as well. Uh, it's a good question because I think we'll probably find out in a few weeks' time when we play Geelong on Easter Monday. So traditionally or historically, he, he has played that role. But I think he struggled a bit on the weekend for Box Hill. Uh, so in my opinion, I'd say no. But one of the other boys might think uh, otherwise. He, he had an absolute mare for Box Hill. and uh, Look, I want to be kind to him, but... He gave away the free kick that ended up costing Box Hill the game. So had a bit of hamstring issues as well. It was just a he, he looked he looked pretty far away from getting back into the seniors, to be honest. So it could be a horses for courses approach with Hardigan, and and I really do kind of rate him against some of the bigger forwards. But just the way that we're we're setting up and the way that we're, I, I just think Sammy will will go for more athletic types in the back there rather than that traditional sort of lockdown big gorilla defender. I think as well at the start of the season, we were saying in an ideal world, DGB gets to play 15 to 20 matches this year. But we were also saying out of Hardigan or Frost or Sicily, like who misses out and perhaps he takes Frost's spot. Well, I think what this has done is actually show us that there's a spot for DGB there. We can get into the 15 and t- or 20 for the season and that, yeah, it might just be Hardigan who will come in for some of the monsters when we, when we play them, but otherwise he's potentially the sacrifice to make it happen. 
David? Possibly the, the sacrifice has been Frost's attacking game because he's had to play a bit more lockdown. I think he's done a really, really good job of it. Um, remember, he did a really good job um, on Franklin last year as well. And I, it seems to be what they've decided is that um, to get DGB into that team, um, Hardigan's out and Frost just has to put that part of his game to bed. And speaking as a person who's watched Sam Frost a lot, I'm kind of okay with that. I was going to say, is Mara... actually a sacrifice? Well, also, it doesn't have to be like he was the one taking the game on for us when there was no one else to do it. Now that we've got CJ doing it and Scrimshaw doing it and you bring Impy back in and you bring Lucky Bramble back in, Day. Will Day, yeah, like he doesn't have to be that guy trying to create something off half back. So I love that little tweak. He seems to be... Um, playing much more accountable football, and he, his two games this season have been brilliant. Moving on, um, so Friday night at the SCG, um, Sydney full forward Lance Franklin became the sixth player in league history to kick one thousand goals. He's now Lance Franklin of Sydney, but for a long time he was our beloved Buddy Franklin. So I want to do a bit of a group therapy session for the next 10 to 12 minutes, just a round-table conversation between us. And, of course, if anyone wants to jump on with some thoughts, we'd love to hear from you. How did you feel on the night? Did you feel happy for Bud? Uh, were you still, are you still irked by the fact that he doesn't play for Hawthorne? Have you made your peace with it? Um, did you like the fact that there was a fair bit? I certainly liked the fact there was a, it's a nice acknowledgement from the Swans that certainly after him said he's a this that he's a it's an important part of Hawthorne as well, and that uh, certainly John Longmire said that Alistair and I have had the privilege of coaching him as in himself and Alistair Clarkson. So throw it around the table, boys. How did you feel on Friday night uh, with the great Bud? I'll jump in. It was like watching your ex get married for me. And I think um, the thing the thing was I fell I fell back in love with with Buddy for the first time in a long time, and I, I actually really was was so happy for him. And I, I I felt like we were part. Obviously, played a massive role in the story, and I felt that he's been a Sydney player now for for a very very long time. And I th- I think they just treated that whole situation with a lot of class. And if if he was to have gone to any other club, I just I don't think they would have got the longevity out of him. So I really am quite thankful for Sydney in a lot of ways to that he, to, to get him to this this point. And it was just one of one for the history books that that moment. And I I really got quite emotional watching it. And yeah, fell back in love with with Buddy again for me. As as hard as it was seeing him in Swan's colours and and hard as hard as it continues to be. Yeah, uh, I agree with Daz. Like. Look, Buddy gave Hawthorne incredible service. He was a champion for us, a superstar player. He's been so good for the game. I think he's been amazing for the game up in uh, New South uh, Wales. I know our supporters like to give him, you know, to give his deal a bit of crap. You know, he signed that huge deal. Any player in the league takes that uh, deal. He did uh, the right thing. He's been huge uh, for the game. I was lucky enough to do a bit of work at Hawthorne uh, the year he got drafted. And I actually spent a bit of time with him, especially at training, and he was an immature kid. And to look at what he's become now, he's just a, a legend. He's going to be one of the all-time greats of uh, the game. And I just think uh, we should embrace him. I just think what he's given to the game, he gave us incredible service. 
you know, premiership player, you know, Coleman medalist, last player to kick 100 goals in a season, played for us. I just think, we, you know, he's just, he's been unbelievable. So I'm with Dazzles, emotional and, you know, something that we're probably never, ever going to see again. And to have a player who played for Hawthorne, even though he doesn't play for us anymore, to be that player, I think, you know, we just got to embrace him. Yeah, I think that, and I'm probably one of the last people to um, get rid of any resentment and bitterness and still, you know, there's a piece in my brain that says, yeah, but at the end of his career, he's still going to have kicked more goals for Hawthorne and won more flags at Hawthorne and his goals to games ratio will be better and we won flags after he left. But then, you, like, you sit down and you watch what unfolded on the weekend and it was just incredible. It was so good to watch. It was so good for the game. We're lucky enough that we had, you know, Jason Dunstall and lived through it all with him, recent enough to be part of that. And, yeah, it was just... I agree with what you said before, Ash. Like, I actually noted Longmire was very adamant that he's been a Hawthorne and Sydney superstar on top of being a superstar of the game. And I really, I agree. I think it was really well done. A lot of the, the celebratory graphics and um, the highlights and the moments from the AFL, it was a really good even distribution to show that he is a champion of the game and has been a champion of the game representing both clubs. So uh, I thought it was I thought it was brilliantly done and just amazing, amazing to be able to live through. I guess. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes, mate. All good. Yep. Okay. Cool. I wasn't sure. I thought my thing had dropped out. Um, uh, for me, when you say um, making peace with it. There's two elements to that. One is making peace with him not being a Hawthorne fa- player anymore, and what the other is that he chose Sydney, which you know have so it was so close to 2012 back then that it was still a little bit raw. But it was, um, I think, necessary or not necessary, but um, as a result of Franklin leaving, we were able to re-sign basically the whole team that then stayed together for 13, 14, and 15, and I'm. Um, there's, there's no way to disprove this, but I'm confident that if he stays, we don't keep all those players and we don't necessarily win a hat-trick. So for me, I made peace with Buddy leaving in 2015, which was great. And then um, I got to enjoy him watching for Sydney, uh, watching him play for Sydney rather than some of the people who still um, resented it. And the thing that always struck me with Franklin, every time this montage comes out of his best 10 moments or his best 20 moments, it's just how frequently... It's either in the last quarter or the scores are basically level or both. And that's just something that no one else is capable of. Just he pulls out amazing plays at amazing times. Um, and, um, yeah, I was I was just delighted on the weekend. I was kind of annoyed, actually, because next week um, Sydney's playing in Melbourne. And if he finished on 999, I probably would have gone to the game and run onto the ground myself. But, um, it, no, it was, it was brilliant for for the game to have that and to, it was just such a great moment. It was one of the few moments that I'd get um, my wife to sit down and watch the footy with me because I was like, this is history. You've got to watch this and come down. He's taking a set shot. And she even watched it and was just had a broad smile on her face. It was just that moment that transcends everything um, to see 
just 20,000 people on the stadium and it'll probably never happen again. So I'm glad that it did, that, that everyone ran on and, and made a big thing of it. I reckon, Mara, you actually absolutely nailed where the source of resentment always came from. And, you know, as Brad mentioned before, it's the deal of a lifetime. I don't think anyone could ever begrudge a professional, like, especially with such a, a limited uh, lifespan in, in a game like footy, taking that godfather offer. It was that he was going to GWS and as everything unfolded, the fact that he's made the deal with Sydney months after we just lost the premiership to them. So that fan connection to how could you then play a whole season, you know, and and again, it's totally a fan related emotional thing as opposed to him making a life decision that I, I still think is what you know, a lot of Hawthorne fans hold hold on it from a resentment point of view. But I was thinking about that today, which is that we, we knew he was going to New South Wales and there's two options there. Um, and probably, if I really think about it, I feel like Sydney just culturally is a better fit for him as a person than GWS. And I, I was thinking about this today and it made me really happy then that he's probably very happy at, or happier than he would have been playing for the Giants. And that's great. This conversation, by the way, this entire conversation is very, very different if if Sydney ever won a premiership with him. But because they haven't, I'm kind of okay with it. I think that's the thing, Morris. The key, firstly, the, the 2014 grand final will be the greatest day, I think, greatest day at the football for anyone taking part in this conversation because it came against the Swans with Buddy playing for them. And 2014 was just catharsis. It was it was just – and the players will like, you talk to any player around, and we know from our Golden News podcast – Total players. The fact that it was that you know Clarko's mantra that is they've got they took our best player. We're not going to stand for this. We're not going to let them win the premiership with our best having taken our best player. Um, I, I think I agree with you. If the Swans, this conversation might be different in twelve months' time. If the Swans win a premiership in the next two years, and it's not beyond the realm to get a really good team, and uh, Franklin will probably squeeze out one more year after this one, I suspect. Uh, we might feel a bit differently. But, uh, you know, I think as long as he doesn't play in a Sydney Premiership team, that'd be the missing ingredient. That's the one thing that's missing from that deal. And, they, you know, in spite of how brilliant the marketing has been for the game, the deal, and it seems like Friday night was fantastic for footy, they would have expected the Swans that he would deliver them at least one. Having him in their side would deliver one Premiership. They won't say it publicly, but I'm sure they think it privately. So as long as they Premiership, it's been okay for Hawthorne people. But the conversation changes if, you, if they win a flag. And one of the reasons they have they haven't is because they've lost a lot of players over the journey because of the Franklin and Tippett deals. Obviously, there's a whole host of other things: the reduction in collar allowance and all that jazz. But it had an on-field effect to them not winning the flag because they lost a lot of talent because they couldn't afford to keep them. So uh, it, it flows down through. Um, but yeah. You, you can't deny what he's given to the game here Alon, in Sydney. Alon, Jax, good evening. Hi, mate. You got a question? G'day, Ash. How are you guys going? Good, mate. Um, just wanted to share um, quite a magical moment I had tonight um, as I was out for dinner. Um, ran into our, into our coach, actually, um, and uh, gave him a handshake. Was a little bit starstruck. Um, 
don't think I'll be washing this hand for uh, for a few days now. Oh, there you go. What was it? Is it on his date night? Did you bother him on date night? Now it's date night once a week. Did you just break in, or was it a family gathering? I had to had to time it as he was heading for the bathrooms, and I made my run for <laughs> it. Um, and <laughs> I just said I was, you know, a huge fan of his work, and uh, good luck. And I'm a mad Hawthorne supporter, but um, I was just, you know, after after the weekend and just just running into him, I was just like, oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was great to see him. Well. I think he's in a good place at the moment, Sam Mitchell. I think uh, he's, uh, you know, it's, uh, there will be losses and where we're about to get to. It could well be as, uh, as soon as this Sunday. But uh, he's made a really good fist to uh, the start of his career as, as Coach Warbler. He's a man with a plan. The plan is being executed superbly at the moment. And, uh, you know, I would say, and I would look around the, the AFL, I would look around the competition now and I can only think of, five or six more coaches in the competition right now that I would actually say, well, you know, if this guy was coaching Hawthorne, it'd be fantastic. I think he's already comfortably, in, in my eyes, a, a already inching towards one of the uh, upper echelon of coaches in the AFL. I think he's in the, I think he's a special one. I think the club, to its credit, recognised that and, and took a very uncomfortable and unpopular move to make it happen because there's every chance otherwise he'd be coaching Collingwood now. Yeah, absolutely agree, Ash. Um uh, I said to many of my family and friends that it's been a while since I've been this positive about the direction of our footy club. Um, and, you know, definitely being, being blessed, but uh, there's a real sense of positivity among the Hawthorne faithful. And it's just, it's just really good to feel that at the moment, um, especially right now after COVID and, and everything. It's just, it's just really awesome. Yeah. So let's have a quick look at head to Sunday. For all the excitement about Sunday, there's a real possibility that uh, we're going to uh, the Hawks will lose their first game for the season. They're up against arguably the most impressive team of the competition through two weeks. The good news out of the injury report today is that it uh, looks like Chad will play. Certainly, some broadcast vision Hawthorne provided to the media today that I had a look at. Uh, he was moving uh, well, and as, as any other player on the training track, so I really, it was an injury report. Back this up, it was very much a precautionary move to take him off at halftime against Port Adelaide. He'll play. Uh, will Day will come into the side. So they're getting closer and closer to full strength. Looking forward to both uh, Brad's um, selection dissection uh, and Mora's um, opposition analysis. We'll to see how, how it all stacks up. But just a quick uh, uh, heads up. What do we think is going to happen this weekend to the Hawks? If, uh, if the midfield is down again, they possibly can't win the game like they did uh, against Port Adelaide. Do they have a chance to win, um, Darren? Oh, yes. And I think it's because Carlson may be mentally not prepared to win three the first three games of the season. I think um, we've probably got a lot less to lose, and I think that's a, a, a good position to be in mentally. But I, I, I do think when you put the team's on paper, Carlton has a better midfield than us. We're going to struggle, I think, with with that forward line like most teams have, and they've got the the cattle down back as well. But I think the game the game could be won, um, you know, above above the shoulders. So I'm really hoping we win because we've got a lot of Carlton support. My family split down the middle between Carlton and Hawthorne, so I would just they're up and about and already, and they're about to get way more obnoxious if they win on sat on Saturday Sunday. Sunday, if you uh, live, move in the circles, we many of us do here at Hawks Insiders. A win, a win by the Hawks this week is imperative. Brad, what are your chief concerns 
heading into the game? The midfield. Our midfield, the first two weeks, have been covered by how good our defence has been. Carlton's midfield is, in my opinion at the moment, is top four in the AFL, and their forward line's probably top two in the AFL. So if we lose clearances by 24 and at inside 50s by plus 10, we're losing by 40-plus points at a minimum this week because their midfield of Cripps, Walsh, Chera, Hewitt and Kennedy at the moment is probably the best in the AFL. So you end up stopping a Cripps, but then Sammy Walsh will end up getting 40 possessions. He killed us at the MCG last year. And that was when Carlton weren't going too well. So I'm worried about this week. I think we do have a chance because we, you know, there's always a chance of the early on in the season. But I just think their midfield's going to be too strong. And I don't think we have a matchup for Harry uh, McKay. I think Sam Frost's going to have to play on Charlie Curnow. DGB's best matchup's going to be Tom uh, DeConning. So that probably leaves a Sicily and a Scrimshaw, you know, to play a role. One of them's going to have to play in front, and one's going to have to play behind Harry McKay. He likes to push up the ground. And unfortunately, I just think we don't have the matchups down back to, you know, play on those players. So I hope I'm uh, wrong, because like the other boys, I've got a lot of friends who go for Carlton, and we've had such a good run over Carlton over the last 15 years. I know we lost them last year. We've lost a couple in the last few years. But I just think their midfield, with how poor our midfield's been, I think Ward's been unbelievable. But Carlton's midfield, the inclusion of Hewitt and Chera, has really helped. Cripps, Walsh is back. You know, he came back last week. He had 35 in his first game back. So they're big-bodied midfielders. And I think O'Meara and Mitchell are really going to have to stand up this week for us to have a chance. Damien, good evening. You've got a question for us. Hello, Damien. Damien, you there? Okay, we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, and Danny, quickly, what are your what are your thoughts heading into the weekend? Yeah, I tend to agree. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but uh, there's that sort of undercurrent of. Uh, if Carlton get a hold of us, they could absolutely bring us back down to earth. But I think, I think the beautiful thing about this year, Ash, is that um, there's nothing really to lose for this young Hawks team, uh, and everything to gain out of games like this. So, um, you know, we all sat here last Tuesday and said that the Hawks would get done by Port Adelaide. Um, you asked me to put my uh, money where my mouth is, and I tipped the Hawks to lose by four goals. Uh, and I was 14 goals out in that one. So, um, you know, the beautiful thing is we see these young guys developing uh, week in, week out, and we see um, guys like Mitch Lewis and um, Jack uh, Scrimshaw and guys like that take steps in their career and cement themselves as, a, as quality AFL players. So win, lose, or draw, if we see that incremental development from these guys, and if we see the players also really grab and take hold of the Mitchell game plan like they did against Port Adelaide, um, then the result will be what it'll be. Uh, but I think we're heading in the right direction as a club. So that's the most important thing. Yeah, they're, they're fun to watch right now, Hawthorne. I mean, that's why hopefully there'll be a big crowd there on Sunday. It's a replacement game for Hawthorne members. So there were 45,000 there last year when a lot of people weren't going to footy because of COVID. That was on a Saturday afternoon. At the MCG, I'm hopeful Sunday might be, you know, edging close to 60,000. 
and that there'll be a fair sprinkling of Hawthorne people uh, amongst that. It should be a really good day of football. I think Hawthorne's forward line will cause a couple of problems for Carlton if the if the midfield can lift, and it's a big if because they've been uh, they've been really scratchy these first two weeks. They've got the chance to worry Carlton with some quick ball on the forward line. It's really no Oscar McDonald. Um, they're a little bit thin for big defenders, so maybe it's a chance for Mitch Lewis and and Gunston to uh, and to, to to wreak some havoc. So uh, we'll see. I also got this nagging feeling that after some really good accuracy last week, Hawthorne will come and kick something like nine fourteen and lose by two goals or something like that. So uh, it's been a fascinating afternoon. Cannot wait. I haven't been to footy yet this year, so I'm really looking forward to getting down to the MCG on Saturday to watch that one. Weezy, just before we go, any your thoughts ahead of Sunday? Well, 3-0 and with a tasty little Marvel game against St Kilda in round four has a nice little ring to it, doesn't it? MC, MCG. Game. Oh, is it at the MCG? Well, Hawthorne's next there. three games with the MCG. Well, that's even more, that word, tasty. That, that's even more uh, palatable. But no, I'm with the other boys. I, I certainly think we're not without a chance. Um, and yeah, I think it'll actually be based on which which version of the Carlton um, side comes to play. Um, but, you know, if any of us were told that we'd be two and one after three rounds this season and be excited about some of these kids, I think most of us would have taken it in a heartbeat. So, again, a good opportunity to see some of these kids play, uh, see how some of the systems work. And, yeah, a win would be a bonus, but... Very, very happy with where we sit at the moment. Yes, take a screen grab of the ladder as it stands because the likelihood is they won't be top after Sunday afternoon and probably won't be for the rest of the season. So we've enjoyed, we're enjoying the week as it goes. Uh, that has been the safe space for this week. Um, thank you to everybody for coming on board. A couple of things to look forward to uh, in the next few days. We are running an ex- exclusive excerpt from the Peter Hudson book, 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 which is launched on Thursday. Look for that uh, over the next couple of days. Um, and I'm hopefully going to have a giveaway as well for our uh, for our uh, loyal audience as well. So keep a look out for that one, a, a copy of the book. Um, and uh, a few other bits and pieces coming up as well. Selection Dissection, it'll be busy Thursday, Friday with our opposition analysis. And Selection Dissection, I think Darren might be crafting a little piece about where the Hawks are at at the moment as well. That'll drop at some stage, and there will be the mega preview for you to look forward to as well. Don't forget our um, this uh, this spaces will be available as a podcast probably later tonight, or probably more likely first thing tomorrow morning. And also look out on first thing Monday morning for our player rankings podcast, which so many of you downloaded uh, uh, last week. We really appreciate we uh, how many people are enjoying our content. If you'd like to support Horse Insiders. It is $5 a month, $50 a year, and uh, we'd really love you to join this community of Hawthorne people. Tell your friends as well that uh, to do that. Campbell Brown's debut column will appear next week as well, which is something else to look forward to on Hawks Insiders. Weezy, I've covered everything, have I? Yeah, uh, done a stellar job. Uh, please, Ash, we want to just, uh, I think, Spaces from now on will actually be scheduled around your availability, <laughs> not uh, not games of footy that are on or anything like that. So I had a wedding, I had weddings and all sorts of nonsense the last couple of weeks, but uh, they died down. But we're doing this for the next two Tuesdays, and then we'll we'll move to Thursdays 
while there is no Thursday night footy, and then uh, we'll see what happens after that. But that's been the Hawks Insider Safe Space for this week. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Look forward to seeing you all at the MCG on Sunday. It is very important we don't let the Carlton Filth uh, totally dominate the crowd. It's their home game, but we should make it feel like it's our home ground. So uh, it's a big one. It's the biggest Hawthorne Carlton game, probably arguably since the 88 second semi-final. It is a once-great rivalry that is being born again. So take part and do a bit of history and reading to realise why they are a great rival of ours and a team that we must beat at every opportunity. That's me taking the duffel coat and the beanie off now. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you again on Hawks Insiders. As I said, have a great week. Thanks, everyone.